wherever you go, however you go. For energy on the go, it's got to be 5-Hour Energy. It works fast, it works long, it tastes good, and with zero sugar and four calories, there's nothing holding you back. Fits your pocket, fits your backpack, fits your on-the-go life, whether you're going to work, going on vacation, or just going out with friends. 5-Hour Energy. Energy on the go. For more information, visit 5hourenergy.com. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready? Indie Radio presents Talking About Walkers, the Walking Dead podcast. The show that breaks down all new episodes of your favorite zombie TV show right here on IndieRadio.org. And now, here are the hosts of the podcast, Kente, Jen, and Olaf. Hello and welcome to an all new episode of Talking About Walkers. I am your host, Kente, all the way live from Los Angeles, California, and I'm so happy to be here. I'm joined also by my, my co-host, the wonderful Olaf Barbosa. Olaf, uh, how are you doing? I am doing good. <laughs> Nobody's told me any different, so I'm going to stick to that. Hey, I can dig it. <laughs> you know, it's like another another uh, another lovely day in the great state of Indiana. You know, you get up and it's twenty degrees, and by noon it's like fifty-five. So, yeah, and now it's back down to about forty, I think. So, <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm so glad that you are here. Yeah. And also joining us is the one and only Jen. How you doing, Jen? Uh, I'm pretty awesome. I um, no snow this time, so I can't really report anything fun and fascinating happening on Maui. But uh, it did rain again. It, it, this is so insane. There are parts of Maui that are underwater, and I mean, I know this doesn't make any sense to like everybody, but have you ever seen like when something's underwater and you're like, oh my god, that doesn't belong underwater. <laughs> that's how that's how like half of this island is it is so crazy what, right what, now what parts are underwater <clears throat> there's beach roads underwater there's anything that was low-lying the ground is so wet that the moment that it rains it floods there it's there's just no apparently we're we're living on noah's island right now everybody's ready to build an ark so, it's so crazy Lahaina, is that like underwater and stuff or close? <laughs> I wish Lahaina was underwater. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, no, no. Lahaina's not underwater. Just okay. all of the beach roads are all underwater. Uh, Places okay. that you wouldn't expect, but anyway. All right. <clears throat> well, I, I, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I was just going to say, I have to say that this episode of The Walking Dead was apparently a bit of a slow episode because I only took four pages of notes. And they're pretty big notes. <laughs> oh wow! Okay. We have we have a very uh, we have a very slow episode going on. All right. Well, so your, your your notes read like it began. They did some stuff, and then it ended. Well, I I started making bulleted lists, and that's like never a good sign. That usually means I'm like stretching stuff out. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, let's talk about this episode. It's entitled Bounty, 
and it is episode 11 of season 9. And uh, this particular podcast is episode 110 of our uh, podcast of this series. Okay, so um, like I said, it's called Bounty. And um, this episode begins with a flashback. Uh, we have, we go, we're back at the kingdom and, um, I swear King Ezekiel is really trying to woo Carol. I mean, he's going to great lengths to show his love and devotion to queen. Oh, don't say queen. Don't say queen. (laughs) (laughs) Carol. And, um, so, uh, you know, we've talked about that relationship and what I've, what I think about that relationship. And uh, I kind of want to get reiterate uh, what we think about the the King Ezekiel and the Don't Say Queen uh, Carol relationship. Uh, I, go I, ahead. I don't. I'm, as far as I still see it as a real problem. Though. It's like they're, they're, they see it's like a, you know just knowing kind of how they come together or whatever they're kind of like totally opposite personality so it's like <laughs> like the you know i don't i don't know they it could be it, it it seems to be sort of a you know fairly decent blend but uh i don't know i'm okay with it but you know i don't have a problem with the with them uh you know you know it's like i'm not against those two being together i think they you know being together i think they make a good couple Mm. You know, how, you know, how you can tell that they actually make a good couple. What is that? Uh, um, well, if you're watching The Walking Dead and you hear like a loud clunk, that's usually my eyes rolling, and uh, that's what happens when they're on screen. But that I think that that means that they actually make a good couple because it's it's so um, it just makes you go, oh, that's so sweet, and it it almost feels like it doesn't even belong. Uh, you know, uh, th- their relationship is actually, I think, a well-deserved relationship, right? I mean, I yeah. secretly really root for Carol on so many levels because she's just, not only has she been through so much, but she has, her character arc has changed so dramatically from when we first met her. And there's, I have this feeling like, you know, any amount of time that she can be happy is a good time that that's and, time well spent. And have you noticed, like, with her being with uh, King Ezekiel, knows she's not wearing her her hair's not short anymore. You know, it's long. She got long hair now. And and she and she ta- she speaks to him the way that people who've been in a relationship for a while actually speak to each other with the right. you know kind of cute back and forth. And I don't know. There's just something about it that's actually a little bit endearing. And the 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 reason that I think that it does kind of work is because, like you said, they are so opposite, but because the the opposite in them is complementary, right. it's not it, it's not at odds. So it doesn't it doesn't feel like a Michonne and Rick, which actually really did sort of I don't know rub me the wrong way. But in this case, it they actually feel like they're compatible. I like them together. They- I, I I don't. It's like now for me. I never really did see Rick and Michonne as a real couple. I mean, they just it just didn't seem to have the chemistry. When you see King Ezekiel and Carol together, 
they just flow. I mean, it just it just it just works. It flows. It's a, it, that's what I said. They make a good couple. Well, the thing I didn't like about the Michonne and Rick one is it was like he was really into that the blonde girl. I can't remember what her name was. And then when she died, it was like, eh, I'll mess with Michonne, whatever. You know what I mean? Like it just seemed like she was just there, the something to do. There just never really seemed to be a real. <clears throat> you didn't really see a real connection between Rick and Michonne. Yeah, just, there there was no gel. There was no on-screen chemistry at all. Right. And and I'm not saying that there's like a whole lot of on-screen chemistry between Ezekiel and Carol, but the way that their dialogue flows back and forth, it's it's endearing. It's sweet. It's it's uh, I don't know, in in the depths of everything that's so terrible, there's something that that feels very uh renewed in it. And it do- and it doesn't feel forced. If you no. if you it's listen so to the lines if you listen to the lines in this episode between uh, between Henry and Lydia, and then you listen to the lines between Carol and Ezekiel, there is a huge, a stark, stark uh, contrast between those two. And Car- the Carol-Ezekiel lines feel like they flow. They're, I, I don't know. I just like it. I, I feel like it's really sweet. No. Oh, so you mean... I, so you're, I want to say... I'm so you're saying a woman giving a man a hard time all the time. Now that's the way a relationship's supposed to be. I sure. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Do you, yeah, do you sure. think that part of uh, I or I think part of the how it flows with the uh Daryl is because he's kind of playing in the, you know, medieval times as a king and you know his speech is you know old english type you know uh speak you know like with jerry and everything and how they you know uh you know your majesty and this and that how they how do they portray as an old school thing so it's kind of i don't know it just to me it just works See, because at the heart of who Carol is, Carol is a pragmatist, right? Carol has always been a pragmatist. It it took more than ultra pragmatism to do what she did with the girls. That's one of them big words again. Well, she she she's a realist, right? Ah, she okay. she has a very grounded sense of who she is, and very little veers her from that, or has veered her from that. And Ezekiel is more of a fanciful lover of life but at the same time i mean somehow he's been able to manage what he's been able to manage so there's got to be some elements of realism but the two of them complement each other in a way that very few couples of the walking dead have because they really do have very different approaches and also because it's not like we're just meeting these two for the first time on screen and all of a sudden they're developing a romance it's we were introduced to them and we yeah. know who they are as characters. And then they got together, and it felt like there was something organic in that. Like he's, he's been chasing her for a while. He, he chased her for a long time. Through that's right. About two seasons, I guess, that he yeah. chased her. Yeah, remember the scenes from inside of that little cottage? Right. I mean, they were so sweet. When, when she was, like, you know, when she was at the kingdom, and she's like, okay, that's it, I'm done, I'm out of here. You know, and then he's like, shows up on her doorstep she's like go away and and the idea it it just built from there 
the idea that Carol this time was the one who sort of was uh, out on flights of fancy while Ezekiel turned the tables and said, no, okay, it's time to go. And I'm talking specifically about something that happens later in the episode. But that, but that sense of sort of twisting things around also makes it feel like they have influence on each other. I, I just I just really like it. Mm. Well, we'll see how this all shakes out. Um, and uh, I, I guess we need to mention, you know, the thing about Jerry having a baby and like, why the hell would you want a baby? Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, this is, you know, uh, I'll be honest. Right. Mm-hmm. I saw who was coming up on the talking dead mm-hmm. and I thought one of them was going to die tonight or the, well, the night that the right. episode aired. And uh, I was actually really excited that nobody uh, bit it this time. Very excited. Because mm. I was sure that either Jerry or Ezekiel or possibly both were going to die. So, mm. Yeah. Pro tip actors from The Walking Dead. Uh, don't go on The Talking Dead if you are slightly or even close to being written off the <laughs> script because we'll all think you're dead. <laughs> well, that's if they, if they, they care about that. <laughs> <laughs> I care. I care. Uh, so, uh, can we wrap that in a bow? Uh, that um, aspect of uh, the show. I, I guess we can. I figured we'd just keep going with it until time ran out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Okay. All right. So now that it's done, I wanted to get that out the way because I understand the whispers are are different kind of folk. I get it. I get it. They're not like everybody else in this world even. But it's I find it funny that they go there to save uh Alpha's daughter. But then when the they bring the baby and when the baby's crying, <laughs> you know, she orders them her to leave the baby uh down to basically to be used as a hors d'oeuvre for the walkers uh did uh uh-huh did did you get how they she approached that though you know because daryl said something about you brought a baby well we're animals and you know we live out here we live in the wild and it's basically you know if the mother can't quiet the baby then you know it's the laws of nature will take over and the walkers will either eat the baby or leave it alone. So yeah. A natural selection is what they leave it at. So they're living in a in a type of of fantasy that it's you know, uh, we just live by nature and if we're gonna die, we're gonna die or if well, we get passed over. That, that doesn't work though because no. we're we're there to save someone's child right well okay so this goes back to what i had said before in previous podcasts about how this philosophy is just really different and why it is so it's insidious in the sense that it is very cult-like right and there are certain rules to the quote-unquote cult that sort of make things uh upend that there are things that are good for the cult leaders that are not always necessarily good for the cult but in this particular instance i do think that that first of all if if that felt super contrived and i didn't like it because it just felt 
We're, I don't know. It did, from start to finish, it felt contrived. But but the but but it did highlight this idea that the whisperers have that it's not that they are animals, right? I know that's what she said, but that's not really the heart of it. The heart of it is they live in the world of the dead. And so either you adapt to the world of the dead or you don't live. That's it. And so if you have a baby and you can't quiet that baby, that's your that's up to you. You then you decide at that point whether you live or die, whether the baby lives or die, like that's up to you. And so that whole philosophy that's in this is I know they're trying to sort of like uh, unveil it a little, but I, I feel like this I feel like this is where Lydia would be really important, right? Because if Lydia could explain to us in some kind of soliloquy even, but better with Henry, um, what the philosophy of the Whisperers is, then I feel like we would get more from it. But instead, I mean, I know what they're trying. They're trying to show us little bits and pieces, and it, it I feel like it kind of doesn't make a lot, a lot of sense that way, right? You I mean, you're just drinking the Kool-Aid. It's, a, it's hypocritical. It is hypocritical, right? but like there's said, no, there's no, leaders. yeah, it's the cult leader. Leaders are hypocritical, that right? Is the point. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, but it's BS. Yeah, that, so that's what I'm. The whole point I'm getting at is, it was a bunch of BS that they, you know, that they're going to save her daughter, but then, you know, you have you say, oh, leave the baby. First of all, the baby shouldn't be there, but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> but um. Okay, I just yeah, wanted to point. And we know, and we know that they're not all there. We know that not all of the whisperers are in that mm-hmm. group, right? Because we know that there's a camp elsewhere. So that is kind of telling. Why send the mom with the baby? Yeah, that. Didn't, I like. I said, I felt like it was contrived. Well, what about when Daryl made the comment of like, you know, hey, we've got enough firepower that we can, you know, just wipe you all out, you know, and then Alpha comes up to us you would do that to the baby in other words basically you're going to kill the baby yes everybody and the baby and then what you do five minutes later eh, throw it to the throw it to the walkers you know <laughs> so yeah they, they contradict themselves the whole time uh, all through it yeah, yeah. well I, i'll say this though about um uh, about the whispers uh just think in that hot were they in uh, virginia yeah, they're in Virginia. They're um, the hot Virginia weather, and they're wearing a Walker mask. Oh, that's got to be nasty when you take that off. <laughs> you know? I, I bet that smelled smell real good. Oh, <laughs> man, that's got to be horrible. Man, but I guess after a while, you get used to it. But when you first put that thing on, oh, man. Yeah, yeah, I can't imagine that feels very good. Yes, and it's probably your face probably feels, ugh, you know. So I don't know, uh, Jen. You, you've probably made a mask out of human dead human skin. Uh, what's the uh, what's the key in doing that? <laughs> um, hmm, you know, I think you gotta have to cure it a little bit. I don't know. So, uh, <laughs> you gotta cure it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. No, and you're you're thinking of uh, you're thinking of my book. You're thinking of uh, my book of the dead. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? My Necronomicon. <laughs> oh wow, yeah, that's crazy. If you put the mask on too soon after you 
make it, it's still kind of juicy, and it's, you know, it's Ugh. more form that away. You let it dry, cure that away, it, you know, fits better. But, yeah, 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 that's, that's, that's you, lovely. You had to put up with it sliding around on your face and stuff. Yeah, it's pretty gross. Yeah, it's, it's pretty gross. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, okay, so with that aside, uh, Alpha, uh, besides being uh, incredibly hot, Um, what you know let's talk about this as an overview Um, what have we learned from uh, this episode about Alpha as far as one is her as a leader and her as a formidable formidable opponent well I I personally think that they if, if this episode did anything it did show that Alpha is not just fearless. It showed that she is ruthless to the to, ruthless to a different degree, right? I mean, we've seen ruthless. We saw Negan. Negan was very ruthless. Mm-hmm. Alpha's different. <clears throat> Alpha feels much more manipulative. Mm. Um and 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 possibly manipulative in in sort of the direction of she understands why people are living behind walls. Negan also understood why people were living behind walls, but his goal was to keep people living behind walls because that benefited him. Alpha finds zero benefit to living behind walls. And in fact, if you listen to Lydia, it sounds like that whole idea is this is outdated and archaic. Look, you're not with the times. We don't live in that world anymore, according to Alpha. And right. I feel like they did a good job of of expressing uh, who she is on on a, a fairly foundational level. One, you can't trust her. Two, she is extremely manipulative. Three, look at how fast she manipulated Daryl. I mean, mm-hmm. that that was crazy. Um, Four, we have or three, we have no idea why she actually wants Lydia. We don't know. I mean, it could be something as easy as this is my daughter, but it could also be anything else. There could be lots of reasons that she wants her back. Um, what, what did you think? What about when they actually brought her out and she says hi, mom, and the first thing she does is just knock the crap out of her and say, "You will call me Alpha like everybody else." Wow. Yeah, see, okay. yeah. That's I, that's totally a gen move. Uh, what oh, are yeah. kids? That's, 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 that's what I that's what I do with my kids whenever they argue <laughs> with me. I just beat them down. You call me Alpha. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, in my house, it's Queen. But yeah, okay. That's uh, cool. Queen. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Are um, you kidding me? If any of my kids are listening to this podcast, guys, I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> she no, has, she is, she, she is one of the they biggest. Know. She, no, she's not. She, her ego is right there with, uh, with the governor and, uh, and, uh, uh, and Megan. Megan. Yeah. yeah. She is a, she is a huge, uh, um, ego, man. Uh, and, you know she doesn't. They, you know what I get from her and a lot of her people that they don't have a, a big fear of death, uh, right? And yeah. and they don't flinch. They don't flinch at all. Yeah. I mean that's actually that is that is pretty terrifying because even Negan's people flinched at 
the prospect of being killed or no not just being killed uh, they flinched at the prospect of the natural world trying to get them i mean everybody had a healthy fear of the walkers yeah and you know um they don't they don't use guns so that's right and you know um they actually have a lot of guns so i mean they could have wiped them out you know i mean yeah. they, they were afraid of the baby and the, their two people but um they they could have wiped all those people out <laughs> um if they so if it went that way but um so my my question to you is it seems like everybody they the difference that they come with other groups that are hostile to them it seems like the other groups don't have the moral line that they still have you know what i mean like like they're like they'll be harsh or they'll go hard but then it's like oh there's a baby oh well we don't want to kill the baby you know or there's like a line they won't cross you know whereas you know like with alpha you feel like there is no line that she would cross like it if they had a baby that wouldn't have stopped her from doing what she felt like she had to do or you know what i'm saying yeah and and i i i i think i think in in some ways this is sort of it's a walking dead trope almost that the that the best of the bad guys have little to no moral bank right they they and and because of that when you contrast it with what civilization is trying to do which which let's face it was actually really telling because at the beginning you know of this episode ezekiel actually wrote in uh uh hilltop mm-hmm. onto the document right because it had been left off by michonne right the, the, so the, when you think about how hard they are trying to come back to normal normalcy the, the 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 perceived threat of the dead is actually almost a subplot of the of sort of the um the the fight to regain a civilization on their own i mean it, it's weird that the anything on the walking dead isn't just about the walking dead but it's but honestly this group brings both of those things together it brings the threat of the walkers plus the threat of no there is no normal you don't get to have normal mm. do you see like i imagine right some of these groups that they've come across they weren't always you know without a line but you know circumstances and just years out there existing in this world has turned them into animals as they said do you foresee at some point in this series that our main group will get that kind of thing going on? Is that, or is, is that the end for them when, um, you know, when they don't have the moral compass anymore where, you know what, there is no line, you know, there's no rules of engagement. It's when it, they come, become complacent with everything else. Then mm-hmm. I, I would say that would be the end for that because with the, you know, trying to bring all the different, uh, you know, communities together, it's like that would, you still have to have some, you still have to have morals. Mm-hmm. You still have to have that moral moral line of like, on oh, we're not going to kill, we're not going to kill them all off because there's a baby, and the baby might get killed in the process because you had a horde coming towards you. So you start shooting, that's going to draw them even faster. 
So, you know, you may or may not be able to save the baby. But, yeah, it's, it's when they get to the point where they're, that there is a, there is no uncrossable line, then it's pretty much over with them because they've lost their moral, that moral line that keeps them going in a direction that's, we're going to, we're going to bring it, we're going to build things back the way it, it won't be the way it was, but it'll be as good or better than how things used to be. Right. And, and, and we know that the show for sure, although I, I guess I could say the comics too, when you lose your moral center, that's usually the end for you, mm. or it's close to the end. Either you leave or something else happens to you. And so you can only stray so far from, from moral center, from being, you know, fairly okay before something bad happens to you. And, I, you know, I'm not saying that things cannot happen to you that are bad if you are not also good, but we know that the show definitely does not reward the sense of, um, uh, of being out there so far. I mean, look at, just look at what we just went through with Negan. Uh, everybody who was a savior had to die basically. And the, or they had to join and, and totally become something different. So I, I feel like that's what the show wants to say that, that the other for them is always the people who are fighting or not even fighting, who are not fighting for come back to civilization or come back to civilization with some kind of moral quote unquote, right attached to it. Right. Does that make sense? No, it makes perfect sense. It makes uh, absolutely perfect sense. I mean, I feel like one of the reasons that we learned about Negan and his harem wasn't because we needed to know how many partners Negan had but to highlight the fact that this is abnormal you see what he's doing with his power he's even controlling all the women and and like there was no other I can't think of any other really great reason for really deep kind of going into that mess unless it was to really highlight the fact that see see how bad Negan is see 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 everybody but I don't see that as a bad thing to have a harem yeah, I, I'm sure you wouldn't. I, 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 well, I kind of expected that, actually. <laughs> you know, when you when you bring it, when you bring that up, then you so then you have to go to uh, the kingdom and uh, King Ezekiel, where he went as the good king, the good ruler. You know, let's you know, making sure his uh, his community was growing and thriving and everything. Like he didn't have. A harem of women, which he could have because he's playing, he's being, he, is he, he wasn't like Kente. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, like one, one like Kente or one like me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, 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 you know, it's like, uh, so you have, you have both sides of the coin. You know, there's Negan, who is the, like the Till the Hun, uh, <laughs> like, you know, go in and after him and, and have your, uh, you know, Every it's like a different girl for every night and all that, and then you have Ezekiel who's straightforward and you know taking care of his people. But, but and then to me, King Ezekiel, his group follows him and does what he wants out of respect for him. Negan's group did it out of fear because right. they figured if they didn't, 
they would just kill him. Well, which and he would, which he would. And, so. and and the and the promise of the reward, which is you can live like me. Yes. And I mean that's that's why Negan lived the the kind of excesses that he did, not just because hey I get to do this, but to act as sort of a beacon to everybody else to say hey if you do a good job maybe you'll get three women hey if you do a good job I'll give you extra rations you know those kinds of things and, and I mean from a leadership standpoint that's effective that's you, you know it maybe it isn't morally correct but it's effective. No, uh, I definitely agree with that. Um, now, let me ask this. Let me ask this question. Um, are you guys surprised that all Alpha wants, or, or no, maybe I shouldn't say this. Let me rephrase this. Uh, is is it the only reason why Alpha wants his, her daughter is just to get the daughter back? Or is it she wants to know what the daughter knows? for a possible uh, assault later. Um, I would say it's for, she wants to know what she's found out. Mm. Because, uh, you know, Alpha like said, very manipulative. And she was, and she said, I wanted to kill him, but I decided I could trade two for one. And it's a fair deal. So I get, I get my one back, you get your two back. So that's why we didn't kill him. And uh, as far as you know, trying to get her daughter back, you know, I think it's more to to find out what she knows more than it is to have her back. Or um, could also be that you know Alpha is obsessive compulsive, and that's her daughter, and she needs to be with her, whether she likes to be with her or wants to be with her. It's like that's my possession; it needs to be with me. Right. Right. Um, can, let's let's go a little bit to Henry. Um, I get it. You know, Henry, you know, the, the woman that he really wanted, she wasn't available. Right. She wasn't available. She has her a dude. There wasn't <laughs> really any other women out there. And then finally, the Lord blesses you with a woman who just falls from out of the sky into your laps and he's just happy he got him a little chickadee and then her mama comes to get her so henry (laughs) henry's like i don't care that you know what they want i'm gonna steal her away because i ain't trying to give this up um now I, I get it that he you know he's only had like a very short time with her, but to be that invested in you know her, I mean I, I know you're gonna probably tell me oh it's because he's a great guy that's why. Um, no, it's because uh, supply is supply is short, so you grab what you can grab when you can. Amen. <laughs> so Jen, as our resident uh, love expert. <laughs> <laughs> Oh what, yes, out of my vast experience. <laughs> What's up with Henry and this girl? And was do you think he was being selfish? Was he thinking with the little head, not the big head? Uh, let's talk about the decisions that he made in this episode. Okay. <clears throat> First, let's not forget that Henry has been raised mostly by Ezekiel. 
and Carol, mm -hmm. who clearly have a moral conscience and want that for for Henry. So let's just say that first right off the top. But second, <laughs> let's not forget that at that age, it doesn't really feel so far off the mark that you wouldn't want to just sort of abandon everything and say, yes, for true love, let's do it. True okay. love, that's hilarious. Okay. Yeah, and, and I mean, and that's just it, right? This, to me, that I've, I've had this conversation with several people and somebody that who barely knows The Walking Dead but's just seen a couple of episodes said to me, if you're in the apocalypse, right, and there are very few people around, uh, like, you know, it, it's a community and there's maybe 200 people all together, right, and you know everybody, the chances of you wanting to do crazy things to attract someone else are probably going to be really high because that's it's the law of supply and demand, right? And I don't feel like it's very... <clears throat> far off the mark to say that Henry wouldn't have gone to extreme lengths to protect Lydia, not because necessarily he was just being the good, gallant guy, but because he had hormones running around going, yes. yeah, you know, we should do this thing. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. so what you're saying is that he was doing an extreme amount of peacocking so that he would could attract her to him. Yeah, I don't feel like that's so far off. I mean, <clears throat> you know, in some ways, I do think that Henry is looking at her like, um, okay, you know, Carol told me all this horrible stuff about her experience, and <clears throat> maybe I can save you. But I don't know. I mean, Lydia, at first, I thought Lydia was far more uh, fragile than I think she actually is. Remember that it's Lydia that said, I'll go, right? right. I mean, if, if, if there was, and I'm not saying that things couldn't be bad, but clearly she knows how to exist outside of the walls. So for her to say that, I don't know if things are quite as reciprocal as maybe Henry thinks they are. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I think it's one of those situations where you know, she doesn't get exposed to many, you know, uh, possibilities. So I feel like, you know, yeah, he's good for now, you know, you know, <laughs> until something else might come along. So I feel like, uh, you know, I feel like. He's good for now until she needs him as a uh, walker fodder. Right. And then plus, you know, even um, what's the, the other girl, the one that went out and talked to him? Uh, the one who they had, they the boyfriend was the was rescued. Uh, I, I, uh, I can't think. I can't think what her name is. Oh my god, I'm trying to it's right, right on the tip. Of my tongue. Enid, 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 Enid. Yeah, Enid. I'm sorry, I was on mute and I was telling you Enid the whole time. Yes, <laughs> Enid. Yes. Okay, so Enid, Enid. It's so funny because she's like, when when they when they realized that he had left and all of that. She was like, I I'll go get him. He likes me, you know, like she, she already knew that she could play that card. Like, you know, I know this guy really, you know, like I know what to say. Don't worry. 
I, you know, I, I, I can, I can wink, wink, wink my ass, like wink, wink my, uh, wink my, wink, wink and wiggle a little bit, and he'll come running back. So, I'll go get him. <laughs> I think Henry was thinking when she said, "Oh, you have, they have my boyfriend and whoever, and they want a, a trade for you know the girl uh, for Lydia." He probably was thinking, "Wow, if they kill him." then uh that's double good for me <laughs> you know like i don't think he was that you know that sad about uh uh put it past you know him plotting in the back oh well i'll just uh let them take her out there and then as they're as she's walking out i'll just bean her in the head you know i'll just shoot her in the head and and they'll kill the other one and that kills both of them off and then i got you know free shot at Enid again Yes. Okay, I I think you may be um, slightly overplaying, though, the Henry card, because I don't think that Henry is thinking that far into anything. I think Henry is behaving extremely reactionary, partly, I think, because of what happened between the two of them and the and the, you know, bond, if you will, that they kind of formed. But also because I still feel like Henry is trying to prove his worth and and every time he tries to prove his worth i think he realizes more and more that his worth is something personal and not something community related like he hasn't even figured out what he wants to do yet and so that sort of drives him forward more than what does the community want to do because i can't imagine that he would take lydia away from hilltop if he really had thought about what would the ramifications be? What are the repercussions of this and how do I figure it out? If that was still in the forefront of his mind, he wouldn't have taken her in the first place. Can I, can I say something that, that I have something and Olaf will agree with me. I'm sure is I know what he was thinking about. And I've look, I've been Henry. I've been his age. Okay. I know what he was thinking about. He was thinking about, this is my little slice. And y'all ain't going to take my slice. <laughs> and you know what I'm talking about, a slice of. That's what he was thinking about. Believe me, he was totally motivated by hormones. He might have dressed it up in his head in a nice bow. But believe me, that was the reason why. He was thinking, I finally got me some potential coochie. And y'all about to take it away. That's what he was thinking. Well, I, I was born old. So <laughs> I, apparently I just never experienced that. Well, I mean, you're not a dude, too. You know, well, so there is that. that's exactly how <laughs> Olaf. Am I lying? No, he was he was hormonal thinking. He wasn't thinking <laughs> anything else. He, he was not thinking straight. He was just well, gonna, uh, that's yeah, kind that of was, what that's kind of what I meant, though. I mean, I, what I, I and I shouldn't. I guess maybe I said it a little bit wrong. I, I don't. I just think that we put assigning any kind of Henry is thinking to his actions is sort of to negate the fact that I don't think Henry is thinking. I just don't think, I think he's just reacting. He's reacting. His penis is leading him. Yeah. It's, (laughs) it's a hormonal reaction. It's what it's a hormonal reaction. It's like, yeah, he's thinking, but it ain't. You think if his, if if it was somebody named Bob that he, you know what I'm saying? If it was some guy that was, she came to get her son. And you think he'd be like, nope, I'm going to take him off to my treehouse 
And uh, <laughs> no, no, no. And we know that that's not the case because we know that when Michonne brought the, the other group in and they were threatening to make them leave, n- nobody asked. Henry didn't say, oh, I know I can spirit you guys away. Right. No, he's thinking he's thinking, man, oh, course, I finally got me. Uh, one. Of course, two Henry's two Henry's defense. Right. Mm-hmm. None of those people spent the night romantically holding hands with him in a jail cell. And I mean, we all know how endearing that is. Wrong. So, yes. nothing like jailhouse love. No, no, I don't blame him. I ain't gonna, I ain't, Olaf. I ain't gonna lie. I'd have probably been worse than Henry. I'd have been like, uh, uh-uh, uh, now this is mine right here. <laughs> he, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gone to the place he went to because Enid says I know where he's at. Right. I know where he went. Yeah, no, I'd gone someplace else. Yeah, they wouldn't have but known I, where I was at. So they couldn't find me. Mm-hmm. But I did, I, I did, um, I did like what Henry said at the end of the episode, well, even though he went back on it. Well, not he didn't go back on it, even though he did something completely different. Because he said, I get why we had to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and so, like, I, I feel like that is sort of the, that, that's the best, that's the best representation of who Henry is. He ultimately, he does realize that there is a reality here but i but also then in the same breath he was gone and he went out to go chase her so right he he understood why it had to be done but he said i can't live with that decision i can't live without her so right right i I, I get it but i get it but i'm gonna go get it's what i'm gonna do you know and and, i mean and to think about this if you put it into in the context of the comics right i mean the the there, I, like I said before, there is this romance that happens between Lydia and Carl in the comics, and and the way that it unfolds, it very much unfolds that Lydia needs saving. I mean, she is definitely almost the quintessential damsel in distress. Mm-hmm. And here, the, at least I feel like they've sort of adapted it a little bit to make it feel like Lydia isn't quite as helpless. Mm-hmm. And maybe that works to both of their advantage. I don't know. <clears throat> There's a part of me, though, that like I, I, every time I see a Romeo and Juliet scene playing forward, it 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 sort of it, it always makes me wonder, don't we ever think that that because these things just happen, that that this is just a universal truth? Like, how short-sighted of it was was it that Daryl didn't sit down or Tara or somebody and talk to Henry for a really long time about what just happened so that he didn't go do that? Right, right, right. Well, they figured that uh, Ezekiel, like, that Ezekiel had already had the birds and bees talked with him. They didn't think they had to do it again. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that Ezekiel never told him how he would feel if he held hands with somebody in a jail cell. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. He knows now. That's for sure. He definitely knows now. Um, okay, so... Also, also, j- just, just, just highlight, just remember um, one other key piece of information that we learned uh, about Lydia... Uh, oh, about the, um, about the Whispers is when Lydia specifically said uh, she wasn't supposed to come back, I, I I do actually feel like that might have been telling. Like, it might have been uh, that maybe Lydia really didn't expect for Alpha to come back. 
Mm-hmm. Maybe there really was something to that because it, it, that line of dialogue was not delivered in sort of a snarky way or in a side way. It was really delivered like it meant something. Oh, no, I, I definitely agree with that. And I think she, you know, it meant something to her that her mother did come back, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. As witnessed by when she said, thank you for coming back for me as if that was sort of a surprise. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I, I do believe that. So, um, but yeah, that's uh yeah, that's very interesting. Um, before, so, uh, any last things that you guys want to um, touch on before we say good, goodbye? I, I do want everybody to remember that when the, uh, kingdom was leaving with the projector bulb after their, uh, successful mission, mm-hmm. uh, which was actually really great. I, I have to say, I really liked that. I loved that inside the theater thing. I, that was tense. I, I mean, it was tense in a way that I, I had forgotten that The Walking Dead can be. It, it was tense, like, they didn't build it up to just be, uh, is the walker going to get them? It was tense, like, there were so many little components to it that it felt it felt well put together. I, I really liked that. But as they were leaving, there was a symbol on the back of the, mm-hmm. so- of the street sign and yep. we don't know what that might mean. Somebody's marking yep. their territory. Upside down V with a line across. Yeah, that's uh, hmm. Yeah, what could that mean? Aliens. Well, aliens. V. Yeah, it's like did did you did you all find it interesting? Uh, I I found it kind of like, you know, another twist with the walkers is okay, the 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 girl that can't hear Deaf girl, you know, it's like the, one of them was giving her sign language, and, hey, there's a baby over there, there's walkers coming and all that, so I thought that was kind of cool. They didn't catch that one, and she runs off, grabs the baby, and is running around with the baby, can't hear anybody coming up behind her or nothing, and she's fighting walkers off. You know, I thought that was kind of, kind of a new twist on, you know, battling walkers is when you're deaf. No, yeah, no, that was cool as heck. That was, um, I really did enjoy that scene. Yeah, it was, it was a little scary, you know. Yeah, and she's she's got a baby and she's got a knife in her hand and she's running along. It's like, oh, somebody grab me! Oh, turn around! It's like that Asian movie, uh, the uh, where the guy has the baby and he's shooting in the hospital, uh, and they kind of ripped it off in uh, Fast and the Last Fast and the Furious. Uh, (laughs) Right. So uh no it's uh no that was really good. So uh anything uh anything else before we say goodnight? <clears throat> um I, I I know that we don't talk a whole lot about it and obviously I think there's probably good reason for it but <clears throat> one thing that really struck me this week uh about the conversation between Carol and uh Ezekiel mm-hmm. was about the falling out that Michonne had with uh, with uh, God, I don't know why her name is now Maggie. Thank you, Maggie. Maggie. Yes, thank you. I was just about to call her Lauren. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> that that we still don't understand any of that. We still don't know not just what drove that wedge, but why did Michonne leave Hilltop out of the? I mean, that's huge. Mm. She she they, apparently Hilltop was left out of the civil rights. The, the new Bill of Rights for the communities. I feel like that's a big thing. Well, I know what it is. I mean, I mean, I, I actually, 
I saw spoilers, and uh, just as a spoiler alert, I found out why she, in fact, uh, they fell out. It was because they had a, a ball, and they wore the same dress, and she was, they were just, a f- <laughs> they were mad at each other. I, I, I knew that was going to happen. I just I knew just it. I was where you were going with that. So, uh, yeah, so she's, she's like, oh, well, they're out of the Bill of Rights. <laughs> So that's hey, you know, I, I feel like that's actually justice because I do that too. Can't <laughs> be wearing the same thing I am. Walk in the, it's like walk in. She walks in one side of the room. She uh, Michonne walks in the other side and they got the same dress on. Damn it, right. dude, dude, it's the end of the world. You'd think you could get original, okay? <laughs> it's the zombie apocalypse. Your choices are very slim. You're both going to go to the same dress store, so, you know. <laughs> There's it's no like... way that wasn't on purpose. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Oh, God. Sorry about that. <laughs> I forgot I'm on video. Um, so, uh, uh, let's go to uh, Olaf. How can people get you in social media and all that good stuff? Well, you can stalk me on both Facebook and Twitter at Olaf Barbosa, but just don't stop too close because I do get nervous and I do have an itchy trigger finger. <laughs> all right. And, uh, and Jen, how can people get you in social media? Uh, you can find me at following bliss one pretty much across most social media. And you can find my website called movies, make the com at movies, make the com. A friend of mine said, uh, why is the Olaf get his own sound effect? What about Jen? I'm like, really? <laughs> like, oh, I mean, if y'all want to go I'm, there, dude, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely come up with something. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, I, I don't have my own sound effect. What are you talking about? <laughs> but uh, I, I, um, uh, you can get me at Kente F on Twitter as well as uh, Kente Ferguson. It's K-I-N-T-E-F-E-R-G-E-R-S-O-N at Instagram. And uh, you can get us at IndieRadio.org. That's IndyYRadio.org. We'll be back next week at our regular time uh, on Tuesday uh, at 7 p.m. Pacific, uh, 10 Eastern. You guys have a great week and God bless. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's premier home purchase lender. We've created a new way to protect you from unpredictable interest rates. Our exclusive Rate Shield approval. First, we lock your interest rate for up to 90 days. Then, if rates go up, your rate stays locked. But if rates go down, your rate drops. Either way, you win. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year fixed rate loans. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply.